this is the series that we've been in since, I believe, the weekend after Easter. So it's been a, a longer series than what we're typically used to, but we're trying to answer that question, how did I end up here? How did I end up in these seats? How did I end up in this path that I'm on in life? How did I end up maybe in your job or your situation that you're in? And the answer to that is, what did you say yes to? And what did you say no to? Because as obvious as it sounds, you said yes to coming here today and no to being anywhere else. You gave us a yes today to being here, which means everything else got your no. And you might be here thinking, well, that's true. I was kind of guilted into coming. Or... I felt obligated to be here, or I was actually drugged here kicking and screaming by so-and-so and such-and-such. -and -such. I don't really want to be here, but here I am. Welcome. Hey, glad to have you here. So excited that you're <laughs> excited to be with us. Whether you drug here by protest, whether you just walked in off the street, you're walking by, got curious, you may have been in line at Burger King and said, what's going on up here? Welcome, and I believe God has something special planned for you today. I believe you're not here by accident. And I believe God brought each of us here to learn an important lesson. And that's what and who we give our yes and our no to matters. What you give your yes and your no to in life matters. Not just in this life, but in and for the kingdom. In fact, it's the determining factor for how you ended up where you are. I mean, think about it. Your yes and your no determines everything you do. And so the first week in this series, we talked about how did we end up here spiritually? Well, what I give my yes to and what I give my no to determines where I end up spiritually, what I believe, what I read, where I go, what I practice, whether it's ritual or religious, or relationship. How I start my day. Am I giving my yes to things like bitterness, and anger, and rage, and jealousy? Or am I giving my yes to love, and joy, and peace, and patience, and kindness, goodness, self-control, faithfulness? Financially speaking, a few weeks back we said, how did I end up here Financially. And it boils down to what you give your yes and your no to. What you buy, what you think you need, what you think you need to survive and what you actually need to survive. What you have to have versus what you just want to have. Are we leaning into a culture that says you have to have the newest and the greatest and the latest thing? Or are we pushing back against that in the advertisements and saying, I'm not falling for it. I'm not falling for the gimmick. I don't want to be in debt. I'm saying yes to having money for a future and not being in debt and no to this thing over here. Emotionally, your yes and your no reflect a different attitude. You've said yes to this attitude or you think this is the person you have to be or this is how your dad was and how your grandpa or your grandma and your mother and it's just trickled down into you and some of that is true but you have the responsibility of choosing I'm going to live this way or I'm going to live that way. Your yes 
and your no, what are you lending it to today emotionally? Your attitudes, what has happened? And then physically, last week we talked about how did we end up here physically? Like how did you end up in the place that you are in life? And it's by giving our yes to certain eating habits or exercise habits or giving our no to those things. It's lifestyle changes. It's having the whole bowl of cookie dough versus just a little bit. And usually I'm on the edge of the whole bowl versus just a little bit. Amen. Come on. Got one guy on my team over here. How did I end up here physically? And and do you believe that you're just stuck? Like this is the way it's always going to be. I'm just giving in. And hopefully today you see the importance and the power of your yes and your no. You see the importance of recognizing what we do with each one of those words matters. Because one word, one yes given to God will reflect a life of purpose for him. While one word, a yes to self, will be self-defeating in the end. Hopefully through the power of the Spirit in this series, you've been impacted And in some way, your life transforms as we continue to give our God yes for his glory, his name, and his fame. Because that's the end game, people. If you're a Christian, if you're a disciple of Christ, if you're a follower of his this morning, the end game is not moral superiority. It's not having the answers in life. It's not following the do's and the don'ts and the can's and the can'ts. The end game is Jesus. The end game is having a relationship with him. You can be strong spiritually in your walk. You can be emotionally stable. You can be financially secure and physically healthy. We can have all of those things and still miss the point that the point of life is Jesus himself. And you may be sitting here thinking that church is just a place that I come to get morally centered. A place where I refresh myself and I figure out what I can and can't do and, or what I should and shouldn't do. And i got to stress, you're missing it if you think that following a bunch of rules is the point of it all because it's a relationship with Christ. It's not how can I stop being bad and start being good. God didn't come to make a bunch of bad people really good. You weren't just bad. You weren't just bankrupt. You were dead. You can learn to be a good moral person. You can learn to be a stand-up citizen, to have good character. But absent from the blood of Christ and the power and the transformation of the Holy Spirit, all you have is answers to questions. That's it. You have answers to do's and don'ts and can's and can'ts. Absent of the blood of Christ, you're not being transformed. And absent of the blood, you're on a mission to prove what you can and can't do. Some of you are on a mission to prove, God, I love you. And the point of it all isn't, hey, God, I love you. It's son, daughter, God loves you already. The point of it all is to point what he's done, not what we do. And that's why we're here. That's why we worship. That's why we give. That's why we believe. That's why we pray. That's why we encourage. That's why we gather together every single week. It's because of Jesus.
and what he has done in our lives. It's giving him our yes. That's why we're people of character when we walk out of these walls and we go into our jobs. That's why we serve with excellence. That's why we want things done a certain way in our job because we want it done the right way for God. We treat others with kindness and respect because Christ treated us that way. We love and welcome people into the house regardless of how they look because Christ treated us that way. We have difficult conversations and cover each other in grace and encourage each other because we see Christ treated the disciples and people that way. He gave value to them. So how did I end up here? How did you end up here? Some of you would say, well, I just wandered in off the street. I didn't know what was going on. I was broken. It's at the end of my rope. But I found myself here. Some of you might say, well, a friend brought me to church and introduced me to this pastor, and I started talking to him, and he started talking about Jesus, and it blew me away that somebody would take on my sins and my wrongs. Some of you would say I was an addict. And in my darkest night, at the darkest time of my life, Jesus showed up when nobody else would. Some of you say I was abandoned with kids, left alone, spouse gone, took the money, felt like I was completely alone, had no family, but was welcomed into a community at a church and realized I wasn't alone, but I'm surrounded by brothers and sisters who love me, who care for me, and who are for me. Some of you may say, I, I grew up in church. It's all I've known. I grew up, I, it's, I don't know any different, really. But I also knew a lot of rules and regulations, a lot of rituals that we followed, a lot of religion. And then one night, Jesus revealed himself in a very real and revolutionary way where my eyes were open to a grace that I hadn't really experienced in the church. And this relationship was formed. And some would say, I faced tragedy. I wouldn't wish upon my worst enemy. Things have happened to me that I, I hope nobody goes through. In the worst shape, the worst day, Jesus spoke and found me and said, I'm not going to leave you or forsake you, but I still have a plan for you. How did I end up here? Personally, I gave my yes to God at an altar at a small country church, walked down the aisle, knelt at it. That altar's still sitting in the exact same spot, I'm sure, to this exact same day. A man prayed with me. I wasn't exactly sure what happened. I was probably 12, 13 years old. I knew there was something that had happened in here, but as far as the theology and the doctrine and, and knowing, ex I didn't know. I just knew that I wanted to be saved. And that Jesus was the way to make that happen. And through the years, I've ended up here at this moment on this platform because I continue to give God my yes. In moments where I'm a complete screw-up, where I drop the ball on everything, where I miss the point of it all, moments where I'm strong and proud and standing and Moments when I'm flat on my face where I've failed in moments of faithfulness and recklessness, I continue to give God my yes. When I've stood and when I've crumbled, continue 
to give God my yes. When plans go as I think they would or they think they should, and when plans completely go sideways. And how many know life's plans often go sideways? I don't think there's a single person here that can stand up and say, you know, actually, my life has worked out exactly how I thought it would. Like, I married the person I thought I would. We've got the house we thought we would. We named the kids exactly what we thought we would. Two and a half kids, one and a half dogs, white picket fence later. And I mean, it's just perfect. No, that's not how life goes because life throws you curveballs. Children get sick. Accidents happen. Mistakes are made. Jobs are lost. There's tragedy. There's disasters, floods, tornadoes, disagreements. And the entire time, life continues to move forward. The question is, are you continuing to give God your yes? The story of your life and my life, the story of how we ended up here, is built on our yes and our no. Who and what we give our yes to, and who and what we give our no to. Am I going to say yes to staying out all night, or am I going to go home tonight? Am I going to say yes to doing this thing over here, or are you going to find me at that thing over there? Personally, for me, I have to evaluate my Saturday nights a lot of times because this is what we do on Sundays, and it takes energy and effort, and I, don't, I have to evaluate what am I giving my yes to on a Saturday night that might keep me from doing this on a Sunday? What are you giving your yes to on a Saturday night that keeps you from coming in ready to receive on a Sunday? That keeps you coming in not feeling guilt-ridden on a Sunday. What we give our yes to matters. There's power in our yes and our no. And what God wants us to see today is that you have the power to change where you end up. When you ask, how did I end up here? You have a, the power to change where you end up through your yes and through your no. Regardless of what's going on around you, when you give God your yes, there is a peace. And in that peace... You have constant love and grace and mercy from God. You have a consistency. You have a faith that is being built. These five small letters, Y, E, S, and N, O, are the basis of how you build your Monday into Tuesday, Wednesday, July, August, December. 2020, 2025 will be built on a series of thousands upon thousands of yeses and nos. And specifically today, I want to talk to us about how did humanity end up where we are today. We've talked about finances, we've talked about physical health, spirituality, and emotions. But how did we get in the place that we're in to begin with? And it's always best to start any story at the beginning. So in Genesis, God lays out the story for us. And in the beginning, he created everything when he began the story. The story he created us, he created life. He created us in his image, and he called us good. And there was relationship, there was bond, there was fellowship between us and God. But at some point in the story, we said no to him. We said no to his way and his story. And we said, we're going to do it our own way. And we said yes to ourselves. And sin entered the world when we revolted. And we were separated from this holy God. He could no longer do things his way. 
We gave our yes to ourselves and our no to our God. And the consequence of this result or this revolt and this sin, this no, is that man was spiritually dead and would physically die. And to be spiritually dead just means you're separated from God. We'd be living apart from God. This fall from God's grace resulted in hardships and struggles. Hardships and struggles that we face today. Every single one of us are probably going into a struggle or coming out of one or we're in the middle of one. All a result of giving God a no. But God didn't leave us and he didn't abandon us and he didn't forget about us. Instead, he set out on a rescue mission to bring his people back into his presence. And he began by taking a group of people and setting them apart for a holy purpose. And he said, you're going to be my people and I'm going to be your God. And by setting them apart, he began to work in them, giving them things to live by, ways to live a holy life, what they should and shouldn't do. But before he gave them the rules, he made a relationship with them and said, I am the Lord your God. You are my people. Now I'm going to give you these things because it's going to protect you, not harm you. I'm not trying to keep you from having fun. And these rules were evidence of the relationship, not a way to try to earn their way into the relationship. Just as the rules God gives us are evidence of his love for us, not a way for us to earn his love. So if you're here today and you're trying to earn God's love by keeping all of his rules, you're missing the point of the gospel. But the people continued to deny. They would deny God and who he is, and they would fall into sin patterns of sin and bondage and slavery and oppression and crying out to God and God rescuing them, sending a prophet, and years later they would forget, and it was sin and bondage and slavery and oppression and crying, and this goes on and on and on, and each time God would send a prophet that would say, turn back to God. Turn back to the God who loves you. Turn back to the one who gave you life. I am the Lord your God. And these prophets, in the time that they were saying turn back to God, would also announce the coming of a Savior, the Messiah, the Anointed One. And this cycle went on and on and on for years and years and years until one day God fell silent. Nobody heard from him for a few hundred years because he was preparing the space for the Savior. And a couple thousand years ago, all of the promises of God were fulfilled. Scripture says in the fullness of time, God's promised Savior was born. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, came and walked the earth. He was tempted in every way, but never sinned. He lived the life that we couldn't live and did the things that we couldn't do. He walked the earth just as you and I walked. He breathed the air. His feet got dirty. He cried real tears. He ate real food. He wasn't absent but present. He lived a sinless life, died a sinner's death, and was resurrected three days later for the glory of God and to restore a relationship between us and God. So how did we end up here? One man said no to God, and another man said yes. And through his death on the cross, Jesus paid for our sin and the penalty for it 
and delivered us from God's wrath. He made a way for us to come back into the story of God, back into the presence of his holiness. And this is the good news. This is the good news that we talk about. That life doesn't have to be the way it was yesterday because it's always been like that the days before. The cross speaks something bolder and bigger and broader than that. The cross says, no, it doesn't have to be that way. And a man by the name of Paul described it this way in 2 Corinthians 5. He says, so from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is here. All of this from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. So not only has God reconciled or resolved the issue of sin in our life, but he has given us a ministry of reconciliation where we can go out and tell the world of this same God who loves them and who has died for them and who wants a relationship with them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation where we are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. Listen to me, church. God is making his appeal to the world through you and your lifestyle and your yeses and your noes. He's making his appeal and his presence known to the world through us and how we live our lives. Making his appeal through sinners made saints. We implore you on Christ's behalf, Paul says, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us. So the innocent made guilty for the guilty to become innocent so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Paul is simply saying if anyone has received Christ and to receive is to believe in him, to confess he is who he says he is, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. He's not some modified version of his old self. He's completely made new. It's not like God said, well, I'm going to take this part and I'm going to put it over here and I'm going to do this thing and I'm going to twist this thing around here. No, he said, you are completely new. You're not the old person. The problem with us is we still want to live like the old person. We still allow our flesh to dictate where we go, what we do, and what we give our yes to instead of allowing the spirit to lead us into the yeses and the noes that glorify God. You're no longer the person you once were, bound by your past. You're no longer defined by what you've done, but what Christ has done for you. Paul says it's all because of Jesus. It's all because of him. This life, this creation, it's all for and about him. He made a way for us. He made us new creatures, new creations, and in making a way, he made a way for us to tell other people about it. You're not the same anymore because grace changes everything. He says in another place, he wrote to a different city, the city of Rome, to a church there. And he says, if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Grace is simple. And I'm not telling you about a cheap grace because it costs the Son of God his life. And there's nothing cheap about that. 
And when you say yes to God and you give him your yes, we don't know where that's going to take you. It may cost you everything. But to receive his grace is to believe he is who he says he was, to confess and believe in your heart, and you'll be raised from the dead and saved. Through Jesus, God put his love on display in order that we might receive this free gift. And all he asks is us is to confess, believe, receive, obey. And that can be boiled down to three little letters. Yes. Where are you giving your yes and your no in the story of redemption God has for you? By giving God our yes and becoming a new creation changes our lives. He sent Jesus. Jesus gives his life. And we do not fully understand it. But God has given us the grace to receive and believe it. Confession changes everything. Giving him his yes that he deserves changes his everything. Suddenly we're living a life that is saved, redeemed, and resurrected. And scripture puts all sorts of language around what this new life looks like. And it simply means you're rescued. You were in a pit. You were in a grave. You were in a dead end. And God came along and raised you out of it and said, that's not what I have for my creation. That's not what I have for my people. That's not what I have for my sons and daughters. This is why in the story of God, we're not just being transformed into superior, morally great people. This is, not, this is why we don't just focus on the yeses and the nos and the cans and the can'ts of what we can and cannot do. This is why it's so important to have a relationship with Christ. It's not about what can I not do and what can I get away with and how far can I push the envelope. And it's about giving God your yes and saying, I'm willing to do whatever. Because we're put on display for God's glory and rescued people rescue people. So now we set out with a gospel to declare the good news. And we take this message to others and we tell them how peace can be restored in your life. Love and grace can be received in your life. This is the story of how God has done everything from creation until now. How did we end up at this moment? God created. We messed up. We said no. And now he's on a redemption path to save each and every one of us. Hope can be found for the future. This is the better days that we've been declaring in this house. Through the cross, Jesus overcame sin and death and is now able to bring sons and daughters home. So how did we end up here? A man in a garden decided to go a different way. A man in a garden chose to say no to the story of God. He chose to tell a different story. He chose to tell a story that God didn't want told. And in doing so, sin entered the scene. Sin entered the story, and sin destroyed our relationship we have with a holy God. One man's no to God put all of us at a dead-end place, separated from God. 
But God wasn't done with the story because there was another man in another garden, the Garden of Gethsemane, where one man, the God-man, said yes to God's story, where he knelt down in the dirt, the very dirt where God created humanity. The night before he's betrayed, the night of his betrayal, the night before he's crucified, God kneels in the dirt and said, let this cup pass from me. But not my will, but yours. Your will be done. He did this on two different occasions. He kneels down, face down in the dirt and says, God, I don't want to do this, but if it's the only way, then let your will be done. I'm giving you my yes. I don't want to go through it. I don't understand it. Hebrews actually tells us in chapter 12, it was for the joy set before him that he endured the cross. Scorning its shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of the Father. So fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, for who, for the joy set before him, endured the cross, scorning its shame. And we're not talking about a joy that, hey, let's go do this. It sounds like a great time. It was a joy that he could see beyond that moment. How did I end up here versus how am I going to end up there? A joy that's set before him. A joy to take on your sins because he knew he would be reunited with us. And that joy was greater than the joy or the, the, the terrible, tragic, emotional wreck that he was in that garden. Father, it's possible, let this cup pass from me. So just as one man's no condemned all of us to death, one man's yes cleared us of all charges, and made us right with God. Just as one man's no put us all in peril, one man's yes opened the floodgates of heaven where God said your punishment is paid for. And when it's sin versus grace, grace wins every single time. Sin threatens us with death, but grace invites us into life. Where Adam failed, Jesus won. So how did we end up here? Jesus gave God his yes for all of us. And practically speaking, what does that look like for you and for me? It looks like recognizing and realizing every opportunity we have to say yes or no to the glory of God. It means every conversation, every phone call, every text message, every IM message, every I message, every email, every passing by in a hallway, every time we have a board meeting, every Walmart greeter, gas station attendant, sonic car hop, waitress you have, every single opportunity to say yes to God and to bring glory to his name, the people you talk up to and the people who talk down to you, opportunity to bring glory and say yes to God. The beggar or the billionaire, opportunity to say yes to God and bring glory to his name. Our yes is for God's story in our life and lives to come into contact with. 
because his yes was for us. And there's three ways I think we can learn from this. The first is yesterday. We learn from yesterday. We learn from the mistakes of yesterday. We learn from the faithfulness of yesterday. We learn from the stories in scripture where God showed up in miraculous ways and we get excited about how's he going to show up in my life? What's he going to do next? We lean into the story that says he's for us. He's not against us. We remember these stories and we place them as faith building moments. Reminder of God's promises that are true and then we carry the yesterday into the yes for today. Your yes yesterday will lead you into a yes for today. To whatever God is calling you to. Not in blind faith, but built upon what he's already done. There will be days of uncertainty and doubt when your doubt speaks louder than your belief. But each time we have the opportunity to say yes to God, we're saying yes to the kingdom, yes to something more, yes to seeing beyond the struggle and the circumstance to a Savior who has a relationship with us. Yes, today. And you may not see the immediate shift in all of these little yeses, but eventually what's going to come out and what's going to be pressed out is a character that looks more like Christ and less like yourself. And more importantly, God sees your yes. He hears your cries. And he says, I'm, I'm meeting you right where you are, son. I'm finding you right where you are, daughter. And these yeses build our Monday and our Tuesday and our Sunday. And yes today leads us to yes tomorrow. To his purpose and his plan for our life. Nobody here knows what that looks like because nobody here knows what the next second's going to bring or the next minute's going to bring. But if we're saying yes to God, we're saying yes to his story being told through us and we're trusting him with everything. And we can take comfort in that. Comfort in knowing that the plan might change because plans do change and plans go sideways. But I'm not saying yes to a plan of God. I'm saying yes to the person of God. And the person of God isn't going to change. The way he feels about me isn't going to change. So with every head bowed and your eyes closed, you may be sitting here thinking, why would I want to give yes to God? Why would I want to give my yes to God? And I would say to you, because on the cross, God gave your yes his yes to you. He's not against you. He's for you. God is not against you. He is for you. His yes is found in the promise of Jesus. The fulfillment of every yes is found in the promise of Jesus. There's just one exception to this rule. His yes for us cannot save us if we don't say yes to him.